Welcome to the Uncommon Room Podcast. We're a group of women going through the motions of our 20s, yet we are all at completely different stages of life with a lot of different backgrounds. We want to have uncommonly candid conversations about things that we may not hear our friends and family talking about. So grab a glass of your drink of choice and join our conversation. We're so glad that you're coming along this journey with us. Today, Avery and I explore the impact our parents have had on our thinking and outlook on life. One thing is for sure, once a person is out from under their parents' wing, whenever that may be, a lot of things are brought into the light about the effect their childhood has had on their entire life. We know that our parents love us and are more and more exposed to the fact that our parents are human too, experiencing heartbreak, joy, fear, pain, just as much as we do. Though we may not know the depths of our parents' hearts, we grow up watching their every move, accepting it as truth. But at some point in our lives, we move from a place of obeying our parents to honoring our parents. Different people move from that stage at different times, and today we discuss the transition and what it has looked like from our perspectives. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for listening. My girl, Avery, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. So glad you're here. I'm excited to be here in the uncommon room. I know. Welcome. It's so uncommon. (laughs) Um, Avery and I became friends super fast. And because of our significant others, they are besties. And so um, we're kind of forced to be best friends. (laughs) But um, Avery was scared of me since day one. And why don't you tell them about I, why I you're scared you of me? I think you get that a lot, though. Like, it's not just me. I think other people feel intimidated by you, but... Thank um, you. That's sweet. Th- that's not a bad thing, okay. necessarily. <laughs> um, so, I think the first time I had ever met Jesse, the, um, me, Bradley, my husband, Stephen, and Jesse, we were going to a Braves game, which, now that I think about it, was like a really bold and risky thing to do like I didn't even really know Steven that well and honestly I'm proud of myself for just like jumping in going to a different city with these random people I don't know and going to a baseball game so anyway so we like roll up pick up Jesse you know it's me Bradley Steven in the car I'm sitting in the back seat the boys are up front Jesse's about to get in the car right, and Avery and I have never met we've never met before and I'm really nervous because I know she has like a really big personality and so I was just But I also really wanted to make it work because I know how much Bradley cherishes Steven's friendship. So um, she gets in the car. She has, like, three pairs of shoes in her hand. And she's like, what do you think I should wear? Tennis shoes or sandals? What do you think? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this (laughs) girl is crazy. We're going to do a Braves game, okay? I was wearing Chacos, an oversized T-shirt, and, like, jean shorts. And she comes in with, like, these beautiful gold sandals and, like, cute tennis (laughs) shoes. And I'm like, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? And then, so we go to the game. It's fun. And then we go to dinner afterwards. And um, she notices I'm wearing, like, gold earrings and a silver necklace and she's like hmm are you a gold or silver kind of girl like which one is it and I was like oh my god she's on to me again (laughs) and I ever since then we've just been friends I don't know I think we both have pretty dominant and maybe aggressive personalities totally but it's worked (laughs) but but that's our our first experience together everything after that was pretty normal it pretty it digressed quickly yeah yeah well 
I mean, thanks for sticking with me You're through all of that pain and torture. <laughs> I really enjoyed our first date. I'm no, really it was great. Sad. It was a fun time. It was a okay. fun time. Great. Well, um, but we've only known each other for, so wait, was that sophomore year of college? No, I think it was junior year. Oh. So we've known That's each other for one, two, three, four, five. Five years. Oh. That's longer than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that long. No. <laughs> but I do feel like we know each other very well. Yeah. And we were both in each other's weddings, and um, Avery has just been, like, a steady, wise friend, and, like, definitely likes Grigio and Chardonnay over red wine any day. She also... <laughs> has like this massive closet she took the entire closet bradley doesn't get anything but needless to say she's very stylish always on top of the trends and always has a new outfit on every time i see her so love that about her um but avery tell the people who you are and a little bit more details on your life that would help people so understand not just you. like the shopping addiction right no. <laughs> Um, so I have lived in Durham for, I think, seven months now. And you know what's crazy? I was saying to Bradley the other day, this year, we've been married a year, like this June. And that's wild. Um, so Bradley's my husband. We got married last June. And then I moved to a new state and started a new job and hit the ground running. But we're hopefully going to get a dog soon. So that's exciting. We've been talking about him for probably like a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. So he's actually going to come to life here shortly. Um, let's get this straight. They have not just been talking about Pickles. Okay. Yes, Pickles is this dog's name. Um, they actually do believe in Pickles' spirit. And that Pickle is Pickles is real. He's real. He is alive and well in mm-hmm. their household. Sometimes I'll just ask Avery how her day's been. And she'll tell me that Pickles was really bad today and had to go back to daycare. I'm just preparing myself to be a mom. I mean. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little strange. <laughs> and But it's also hilarious. And just we love it. So we're excited for Pickles to come to life. Yeah, we're really excited. What kind of do- a dachshund? Long haired, short haired? Um, I'll tell you. He is a... <laughs> A long-haired English cream miniature dachshund. Oh, keyword. Not specific at all. Um, he's going to be great. Okay. He might be born. I don't know. He might also be in the womb. Oh, little pickles. <laughs> um, so we have been married for not even a year. I think seven months now. And marriage has been great, but it's been a huge learning curve and just learning how to love each other. Um, my love language is very different from his. And so being um, aware of how I receive love versus how he receives love has been really important. Yes. So love languages are huge. And this is going to lead into our conversation perfectly because... Um, we're going to talk about kind of like the impact that we've had from our parents. And I think that I don't know this. I did not research this part about love languages, but I'm interested to talk about, I wonder if love languages are developed because of what we've seen our parents do, or if they're just innate things that we, um, like feel deep down. And I, I'm, it's probably a mixture of both. Um, I, I was literally thinking about that earlier because when I was thinking about the love languages topic and my number one love language is acts of service and I was trying to think, why is that? I mean, it, but then I thought about my upbringing and saw the way my mom would serve my dad and in ways my dad would serve my mom and and I was just thinking to myself, I that had to play a big role into it. I mean, like I said, like you said, I'm sure there's more that 
played into it, but I think that was a huge contributing factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that we, like, give love differently than we receive love, and or sometimes we give and receive in the same way. Um, but if you don't know about love languages, love languages, there's five different ones. Um, everybody has one. You can take like a quiz online to figure it out or just think about it. <laughs> um, but the five uh, love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Um, and I was surprised to find out that when I was researching it that um, – I thought physical touch would be the number one because, like, everybody likes physical touch. But um, the most popular one in, like, the three studies that I looked at were words of affirmation and um, acts of service. Hmm. And so I was very surprised by that. But um, I'm also kind of comforted by that. But let's talk about kind of, like, your love language, like you said, your acts of service. And... Why do you think, I guess, in relation to your parents and seeing them, how do you think that, like, developed Mm -hmm. for you? So, uh, acts of service, and it's funny because I think, you know, Bradley, he, hats off to him. I mean, he does truly a great job of loving me in this way, but I do think it's definitely one of the more difficult ones to express love. Um, It's not like words of affirmation or quality. I don't know. When I think of those other things, I think of physical, tangible, practical things that you can do, like something just comes to mind. But when I think of acts of service, you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper and almost put your shoes in, what's the saying? Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yes, put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Think like, what would they really enjoy right now? You know, what can I do for them? Anyway, so when I was thinking about that earlier and I was thinking about my parents and um, I think they both served each other when they were still married in very different ways. You know, my mom stayed home with my brother and I and she would serve our family by, I mean, taking care of my brother and I, organizing family vacations, cooking, cleaning, taking care of the house. I mean, she really served our family in that role and then my dad was at work and he served by providing for our family and you know we never had to worry about much at all because he was so good at his job and um, really took that upon himself so I think just seeing the way they serve each other in really really different ways um, has definitely made that a reason why acts of service is one and then um, physical touch is my last love language and I mean hardcore last like do not like to be even like holding hands mm. but and thinking about parents I think it has to do a lot with my upbringing I mean physical touch was definitely not anything expressed in my household not only did I not really witness it between my parents but also I I can't really remember a time like cuddling up to my mom or my dad like if they were like on the couch or in bed or they would kind of like Avery get off of me and (laughs) and sorry mom (laughs) love you mean it but it's true they just truly did not really coddle us much and we just weren't like a super warm and fuzzy family that you would come cuddle up to so I think that is a big reason why it's in last place for me but um coming into marriage that has been hard because Bradley's number one love language is physical touch and so pretty much not knowing anything about physical touch and not growing up with it to coming into marriage where your husband really kind of expects this from me is super difficult Mm -hmm. yeah I agree I think that I think that um it's hard because I don't like our parents weren't 
trying to make us believe something or take something away. I think that they, I truly deep down believe that they did what they thought was best for us and still do. And I know that they love us. And so as we move forward through this conversation, like everyone knows that like we love and appreciate and respect our parents. Yes. Um, so much but we also are in this stage of life where we're learning things that we have taken from them and some of those things are beautiful and awesome and other things are like dang I really got to work through some of this Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a combination of things that I've learned from my parents but also from the church Mm -hmm. and also from just the culture I grew up in and so like white privilege you know whatever so I think that when we say these things too, we also are referring to like a a bunch of things that Completely. when we say our upbringing, we don't just mean our parents. Completely. <laughs> um, but when it comes to love languages, I do think that's a very clear like correlation with parents because same with physical touch. Um, I never saw my parents like kiss in front of me really. Mm-hmm. If I did, it was like a peck or whatever. And, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like, natural for me to come through the door and just give my dad and mom a huge hug. It did happen. It just wasn't normal. And that plus, like, growing up in the church, ref- like, when it comes to, like, relationships, um, just, like, the only time physical touch was discussed ever was when it was in reference to sex, which was always in reference to don't do sex, it's bad, because you can't have sex until you're married. So, like, all of that combined made me just not really need or want physical touch. I kind of, like, shied away from it. Um, I feel like when I started dating, I definitely, like, desired that more, but it it was definitely not, like, top priority. And then... I think for me, like, um, my love language is definitely quality time and that's like undivided attention, um, undisturbed. And I think that's when I was trying to like, think about my, my upbringing, um, I would think about like how I did feel so loved when my mom, like fully had her attention on me. Like she wasn't cooking or cleaning while she was talking to me. Like, there were a few moments when I was like, this is my best friend. She knows me so well. She's giving her undivided attention. And then there were other times, especially with like, I mean, with my mom, but also with my dad, where I would be like trying so hard to like just have that attention and have that quality time. And it like didn't connect sometimes. And that was hurtful. So I did like crave that once I had, um, once I started being in relationships. So I don't know. I think it's really interesting to think about that. And also to think about that when it comes to like our parents' generation and like who they are and where they've come from. Yeah. Well, has going back to the physical touch and Jesse's been married a year longer than I have. So has it gotten easier with marriage? So is that Steven's first love language? Mm-hmm. And if so, then like for me, it sounds like it's become a little more natural and easier for you. But for me, I'm still in the yeah. baby phase of learning. Like I'm just now mm-hmm. like touching Bradley's hand when we're watching a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still usually on the opposite end of the couch just because I love to not be disturbed. But another year into marriage, does it look yeah. a little bit different? Yeah, I think that... <clears throat> It definitely does look different now. Um, I think the most important thing for us has been just communicating. Like, if I 
if he wants it and I'm not giving it to him, then like, I'm not aware of it. And then he'll get his feelings hurt. And it's like, you have got to tell me your expectations. If you want me to come like sit beside you, you need to tell me that. Right. Whereas for him, it's very natural for him to comfort me by like putting his hand on me or like Mm -hmm. rubbing my back or whatever. Um, and so it, we have had to have more dialogue about like when we want it, what we want. Um, but I think like the vulnerability portion of it, just like, I mean, like intimacy and whatever, like all of that is still like really hard. And I think that it will get, I mean, I think it's getting better continuously over time. Um, and it comes with like building trust and being confident, Mm -hmm. but I think the only way to do those things is to just like communicate with each other. Um, and like not, not have judgment on the other person for not like necessarily wanting the exact same thing, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that also since that wasn't talked about, it's just like frustrating for me. And like, I never was one to like, I just wasn't curious. Like I wasn't curious about like, like love and like relationships necessarily. So I don't know. It's not a thing for me where I like, I don't know, where I felt like it was just this really important thing. Right. Well, we were also young and, you know, it probably wasn't the first thing that we were thinking about, you Mm -hmm. know, on a weekend. We probably would rather be with our family than a random boy in the fifth or sixth grade. You know what I mean? It's just, we weren't curious about that in life. And then as you get older, you know, that starts to spark your interest more. But, and I think that that, like can also be kind of detrimental though. Like I kind of wish that there was more conversation with my family about like sexuality and relationships and even with my church, like obviously um, that's something that the church struggles with, but I just wish like those conversations happened more because I do feel like now I'm having to figure it all out Mm -hmm. and I'm having to like, like learn stuff and research stuff because I don't know what I'm doing. And like, you know, especially in the Christian culture, it's just really difficult. But I think that it's not, I feel the same way about other things like life things that I wasn't necessarily taught in my family just because it was like, well, this is, I'm going to do this for you and, um, make sure that like you're taken care of. Right. Do you feel like you, you had that similar thing with your family? Absolutely. (laughs) I will be the first one to tell you that I was fed with a silver spoon in my mouth. I mean, and I really don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, I'll tell you, my dad really struggled um, growing up and had to work a lot of jobs and join the military just to get through college. And it's funny because I think about he's an English major and now he was in the military. He just retired and he works in finance. So he, he was literally just trying to get through school. He was also raising his siblings and helping out his mom who was single. So, um, I have a lot of respect for him and the way that he provided for my family. So with that being said, um, I don't mean it bad at all because he truly did hustle, but he always told my brother and I, I want to give you guys everything I can because I never want you to struggle the way I had to struggle. So in that, I never had to worry about a thing. I mean, I hate to say it, but even when I was in college getting my tuition bills paid, I, I couldn't tell you how to pay a tuition bill because it was taken care of for me. And I didn't have to worry about my phone bill because my parents took care of it and bought me a car and paid the insurance and, you know, did everything for me. And so 
I know we were talking about this earlier, Jesse, that when you get married and your parents drop it like it's hot and <laughs> totally leave you out the dry, <laughs> not in a bad way, as they should. I would do that to my child in a heartbeat. But, I mean, I didn't know how to pay my car taxes or buy a car or you know, when it comes to buying a house one day, I don't know the first step about doing that. So not to sit here and put blame on my parents, but there's just things that I kind of wish that even I was more curious in and even more grateful. You know, I didn't even think about who's paying my phone bill right now. And cause I was just a little brat. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Truly. Well, I totally agree with you. I think that when I'm like, when I think about like po- pre-college and post-college, it is this huge learning curve shift because my whole childhood was like I my parents just like wrapped their arms around me and wanted to protect me Mm -hmm. and so they thought the best way to do that was to do everything for me and um that's like exactly the same as you like paying for everything that's a big one but like I I'm glad they paid for everything but I also wish they would have explained to me how to do those things while they were doing it for me you know I don't necessarily wish they would have made me do it. (laughs) Like, I'm super thankful that I never had to do that. But I do wish that um, there was conversation about how to do those things. Because, yeah, when I got married and they were like, all right, sick. Here, get on your own bank account. Get on your own phone bill. Get on your own insurance. I was like, what are these words that you're saying? (laughs) What is insurance? (laughs) How do I insurance? (laughs) Um, But And so now that I'm figuring that out, um, it's been, like, really difficult. But... I will also say that it's been like a really um, amazing process because I actually feel like I'm my own self now. And I didn't necessarily feel that when I like was in high school and when I was in middle school, like I never really felt like I was my own person. Mm -hmm. And that was because they did a lot of stuff for me. Um, And I'll say that like that is totally like not to blame them at all because yeah. I think that they're doing that because of their childhood. Like yeah. you were saying with your dad. Yeah. Well, thinking about, you know, when I have children of my own one day, I want to do everything for them. You know, it's, yeah. you, I feel like it's also part of just the mother's intuition. You can't help but to think that and want, and my mom always said, Avery, I have always just want better for my children. You know, you just wanted to get better and better and better by generation. And I will say they did not give me everything I ever wanted. I mean, I worked at jobs in high school and, you know, if I wanted, you know, a cute new top or whatever, they would make me work for it and I would have to go make my own money. But as far as, you know, the essentials and having a roof over my head, that looking back and I'm paying for the own roof over my head and um, just how selfish and really ungrateful I was. And, but yeah, also just didn't know the skill set. Like I remember when I got a car, I was 14 when I got a car and which also just tells you how loving and generous my parents were. So, and I couldn't even drive it because I wasn't 15 yet. So when I turned 15 and I was driving the car and my dad, and it needed gas and my dad goes, go to the gas station, fill it up with gas. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know how to put gas in a car. He's like, Avery, you like put your card in. And I'm like, dad, I I really like, do you do the gas first? And then your card, like, I really don't know how to do this. And, but, and it sounds so silly, but it's true. Like, it's almost like, how do you expect someone to do something if they've never done it before? Mm -hmm. So coming into marriage, learning how to do all of these things. Yes. I feel so much more independent and I've learned, excuse me, mom, a shit ton of things that 
I would have never thought I've learned this quickly in my life, but I'm so glad I did and I wish I would have learned it sooner. Yeah. And I think that it makes a lot of sense thinking about the generations. Like I just keep going back to this and this is where I find a lot of grace for my mom and dad Mm -hmm. that like a lot of times, you know, I might get like frustrated and angry about something that I wish they would have taught me or whatever, but I then have to like think about, okay, my parents grew up underneath the silent generation, which I didn't even know was called that but their parents were in the silent generation and it's literally called that because the kids were expected to be seen and not heard interesting I've never heard of that me neither but um that whole generation regardless of the name they um were growing up in and like having children during the depression and like world war ii okay so like they were busting ass every day trying to get work their work their jobs get their children fed get them in bed like get themselves in bed have mm-hmm. a marriage have children and then go back to work again and do it all over and so that they like didn't have time to like love on their children they literally did the bare minimum of like hey we're providing for you we care about you we're right. gonna try and make this home special for you but we got to go to work right. you know and so our parents want to overcompensate in that area for us and want us to feel like we don't have to work as hard as their parents did and like struggle they want us to like be safe and provided for and comforted and so the participation trophy yes the Mm -hmm. participation trophy that is what our generation is labeled as literally we are the participation trophy recipients yes and that is so obvious in Mm -hmm. the way that we live and think and even like when I was teaching fifth grade, like I would see that in the kids that they would just assume that their things are going to be handed to them and they don't have to do anything or work for it. And, um, I hate that we're like training people to do that because that is not reality because then when you don't achieve something and you don't get what you want, you then take it out on yourself and you Mm -hmm. hate yourself because you're like, what did I do wrong? But you didn't actually do anything. Right. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I, I totally can understand like the breakdown of generations and why we are the way we are and why our parents were the way they were. But, um, it's just all starting to like come to light. I feel like at this stage in our life, yeah. I don't know if you feel yeah. the same way, but I don't no, know. Completely. Well, and also just growing up with my dad's dad was in the military. My dad is in the military. Now my brother's in the military. Definitely come from a line of straight laced, um, men who, I mean, my brother and I couldn't be any more different. We are, we're close, but we are polar opposites. Andy is very type B, laid back, really doesn't care about much in the world. (laughs) I mean, and I wish I was like that. And I am the complete opposite and have like heart palpitations over like dropping an ice cube on the floor. I mean, (laughs) truly, it's crazy. So, but growing up with a dad who was like that, there was just a lot of tension in the house. There was a lot of, Jesse, I was telling you this earlier that if I made my mind up about something, there was no going back on that. And if I said, you know, I didn't want to go through to the grocery store, but then, you know, I'm a little girl and I see my dad walking out the door leaving and he's just going to the grocery store, but you know, I'm a little girl and I just see my dad leaving and I'm going to miss him. And I say, Oh, I want to come with you. It's nope. You made up your mind. That's it. I'm going to the grocery store. I'll see you in like an hour. Mm -hmm. And it just really taught me if you make a decision, you better stick with it and you bet your bottom dollar that, you know, it's his word against mine or whatever. So I've just always grown up with also a very kind of strict. Yeah. Yeah. Strict, but also 
coddled, not in a physical way at all, but coddled and, you know, they pretty much handed me everything on a silver platter. So it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Cause it was like tough, but you were also coddled. It's right, so exactly. Um, when it comes to decisions, how did you make decisions? How did you deal with making decisions? Do you remember? I really don't remember. I always have. I've always thought of myself as having really good intuition and. And you're very opinionated. I'm very opinionated. I don't want to, I hate, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I'm totally about that. But I feel like if I meet someone, like when I met Jessie, I could, everything I needed to know about her, I knew within like the first 10 minutes. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I feel like I'm just very intuitive and I'm a really good judge of character. Um, Not to like toot my own horn, but, and so I think making decisions when I was younger, I was just able to like think on my feet, come up with something, but I think as my dad got stricter and would really hold me to it, I think I started to take more time, knowing that he would hold me to it, um, I wanted to take more time and be wiser about my decisions. So um, yeah, I remember taking a little bit longer time, and then I remember by the time, probably in high school, definitely college, I was definitely making decisions for my own. I would, you know, there was one point where I decided to end a relationship in college and I didn't seek my parents' advice. I didn't ask them what they thought, what their decision was. I literally just texted them and told them, this is what's happening and, you know, this is what it is. So when we talk about, like we said in the intro, just like moving from a place of, um, what is it, like obeying obeying your parents to honoring your parents. Mm -hmm. So there's this shift that is going to happen in your life and everybody goes through it at a different point in time like for for example um steven my husband he went through it very early on because his family was very broken down and he realized quickly that his parents were not people that he could necessarily trust and so he quickly had to learn life and learn a lot for himself and figure out his own decisions for himself so he just stopped like saying yes ma'am yes sir and started just like doing his own thing and he would honor them and he would be very respectful and loving but he made his own decisions and that is very evident in how he lives his life now and I I honestly like see it as major strength and major independence um and it's really cool but I think for you and I like we didn't really go through that shift until you went through it earlier than I did. Mm. You went through it in college. Like you were just saying, like you began to make decisions for yourself. You didn't necessarily call mom and let her know what you were doing. Um, but for me, like that shift did not happen till I literally got married and moved away. And I think that, um, that's probably been that and just decision-making has been the biggest impact that my parents have had on me. Like, I guess negatively you could say, but it's just like, I feel this like very large pressure and tie to like communicate everything to them. Um, and that comes from a lot of different things, but I didn't really get to the point where I felt comfortable not calling her mom about every decision until I got married. Wow. Until I moved literally geographically moved my body away from her (laughs) like I lived I've always lived an hour or less away from my mother uh, my entire life until I got married and so which is not a bad thing like I have I mean I cherish all of our time together like I love her she's always been my bestie like mom you know I love you Illy but um 
it has been like really helpful. It has been so helpful in my relationship with her, I think, um, at least on my end, to be able to like distance myself and really process my life and my, my decisions without having to have her approval because that's what being a big girl is all about. Yeah. And like, that's what being an adult is about. And, um, so it's been really challenging, but it's a very important shift to make. And, um, I think it's important to talk about that with your parents. Right. I don't know. I want with my kid to be able to be like, listen, I want you to tell me everything you do, but you're 18 or you're whatever. And you don't have to call me every second or tell me everything, you know? And so, um, but that looks different for every family. I get that, but that was, it sounds like it happened really rapidly for you. It sounds like literally the second you said, I do you, although it didn't feel like it at first, you had to kind of make this mental shift of your mom and dad being the number one people in your life. Now, Steven's the number one person Mm -hmm. in your life. And obviously that did not happen right away. It took a long time for I don't want to say they had to take a back seat, but Stephen had to is now your number one person in your life. Yeah. And, and even when I go home for the holidays and just make really small decisions on things, I at the end of the day I have to think my dad is not the number one man in my life anymore. And it's been like that for the past twenty four years, which is so weird to think that the second I said I do, it is now Bradley and now I obey and I honor mm-hmm. and I respect Bradley, but I just honor my dad. I don't necessarily obey every single thing that he says um, because he doesn't necessarily have authority over me anymore, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're starting to have authority over your own life and making your own decisions, and that's important for your development and for you to move forward. Like, you have to do that. And so, yeah, I think that that break was really rough, and, like, you know, we literally were like hey, like, you haven't called me in three days. Is everything okay? (laughs) And, like, now it's, like, we can go a few days and not talk, and it's fine. And it's better when we do, you know. So, um, yeah, it's a shift, but it's a really important one. And I think the other part of that that was the big impact for me that I was talking about um, was decision-making, which I've touched on a few times. And I I think I talked about it in the first episode. But just, like, um, I remember always – if I had a big decision to make or I was like in turmoil or had anxiety over something, um, whether that was relationships or what to eat for dinner or if I should drive to Greenville to hang out with friends or not, I literally did not think for myself. I went straight to my mom and she helped me make the decision logically and helped me figure out what was the wisest choice. So really even the tiniest things of, Mm -hmm. wow. So So when I did that, I loved it because I was like, oh, like, mom knows me so well. I can always go to her. It was such a comforting thing. But I didn't realize until literally last year that all of that doing that for my whole life has actually caused me to not be in touch with my emotions and not be in touch with like what I want. Right. Like you didn't realize how self-destructive it was in the moment. Right. It makes sense. I mean, truly, if you saw your mom as your best friend and I've seen my mom in that role so many times, you think, oh, I need to help making a decision. Of course, I'm going to call my best friend and ask for her opinion. Right. So, 
but in the same time you don't realize what you're doing to yourself yeah yeah and like just I just had never she didn't either say like I mean she probably did I don't know she probably did but um it wasn't like this conversation like well sweetie let's think about what you really want right now think about what your body wants or how tired are you or whatever it was like okay do you have enough time to get there before dark and do you have enough money to do this and like did you, did your friends like invite you or did you invite yourself um is this boy very the, logical yes like black yeah. and white very logical like is this the wisest decision and that has been like great and it actually has come in handy a lot and has helped me be very capable in times of conflict like i i can get through shit you know um <laughs> but when it comes to like steven or somebody asking me what i want i'm literally like <laughs> i have no idea and i I have been working through this with my therapist for a year and a half now. Like, she's like, Jesse, you need take a deep breath. And I take a deep breath. And she's like, what do you feel? And I'm like, I don't know. She's like, all right, take a deep breath and close your eyes. <laughs> like, we are, you know, just working through, like, trying to shed the layers of, like, what I should feel or what is wise and what is right. And now it's breaking down. And it's been it's been great to, like, break that down. But I wish I would have. I wish I would have known that earlier, obviously. Well, and it's hard sometimes in those moments, too. And I've learned this in therapy, too. It's like, oh, I don't know what I feel. but And it takes a few times and years and months or whatever to, I don't want to say label because you shouldn't necessarily slap a label on things, but to put words and name something and call it out for what it is. And like in that moment, you could have been feeling sad, but it's almost like you didn't know you were, you didn't know how to call it out or you didn't know. You're just like, I don't know. Yes. Yes. And I like, there was a lot of times when I made a decision and I did it just because I thought that it was the right thing to do, not because I actually wanted to. Right. Like, I'm thinking about, like, driving to Greenville. So I lived 40 minutes from my high school, and I would have to drive every day. And then if people wanted to hang out, I had to drive again. So I remember being, like, invited to stuff. And I really don't think I wanted to go to to some of them. But I was like, no, this is the right thing to do. I've got time to get there. I haven't hung out with this person in a while. So, yeah, I'm going to go. Just because it checks all the boxes. Yeah. Right. And so... And then when I'm there, I don't even enjoy myself. And so now I'm like literally 10 years later, 10 years later, I am now getting to the place where I'm like, hmm, yeah, no, I want to stay at home tonight. Right. So I'm going to stay at home. Right. Even if I should go see my friends or like if it would be wise. Even if I do have an hour free time. Yes. Right. I'm like making decisions for myself now and it's amazing. And I'm like, oh, I'm a human. I'm an actual, I'm my own person that needs to be listened to and validated. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Yeah. Thankful for that. Yeah. It's all about gratitude and showing yourself grace. And I don't think I had touched on that yet, but something that I learned in therapy was daily gratitude. And at first I thought it sounded really silly, but, um, and you can definitely cater it towards what you're needing in your life at the moment. So, um, a few years ago when I had really bad self-esteem and body image issues every morning before my feet would hit the ground, literally my eyes would open. I wouldn't even reach for my phone yet. And I would force myself to think about three things physically that I was really grateful for. So, you know, maybe if you're struggling mentally or emotionally, you think of three things that you are grateful for in those areas. But I would say to myself today, I'm super grateful for my legs because they have the ability to, um, 
to carry me through the day and I can walk around. Not everyone has that ability and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful for my eyes and that I don't even have to wear contacts and I can see perfectly and I'm just so blessed and I'm grateful for my arms, my fingers. I mean, even the smallest, tiniest things that instead of thinking, oh, this needs to be different, this needs to be tweaked or a little skinny mm-hmm. or da 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 to... I'm grateful that my legs will carry me through this day because I know it's going to be a long day at work and la da 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 da. Yeah. And it really shifts your perspective. So showing yourself grace, not only for your physical self, but recognizing when you need rest, all about that. Love That's it. a whole nother podcast. Yeah. We're, we're coming back to it. You're signed up for the body image podcast. I am. Yes. So get excited. It's in the works, people. <laughs> That's going to be so good. I have some words for the youth of America. That's all I have to say. No, well, also for me, because I really like would love to. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We need to I have talk a lot to say about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. We're just going to wrap it up here, but I do want to say that like, I think there are a lot of things from our childhood that I'm going to speak for both of us because I think that you would agree with this. Um, there are a lot of things that I'm probably going to be working through for a long time. And that being like from my parents, from my upbringing, from the church, from the culture around me. Um, and that's okay. And I think that's like healthy. And I really would encourage everyone, especially in our stage of life. This is just this, this is the season where we're all figuring ourselves out, I think. And, um, I would encourage everyone to talk to somebody like it doesn't have to be a counselor or therapist, but highly recommend. Um, but just talking to people about like just processing through what you've gotten from your parents, what you've seen them do or not do and, um, how that maybe has affected you. It helps you know yourself better. It helps you have more self-love because you're not like so angry that like you are the way you are. It's like, no, this is because of things that I've seen. And like, so I think it's healthy for us to have this conversation and talk more about it. Um, which is why I'm doing a part two next week with, with some more friends. And I was going to say, and you kind of hit the nail on the head, but to not, you know, I say all these things and I love my parents dearly. I mean, I still talk to them every other day. They're great people, but so this wasn't any, at any way, like pointing the finger or casting blame, but it's just sitting back and, you, you know, now that we're out of childhood, realizing how these things have affected us and they're not good. They're not bad. They're just things that have affected us. Mm-hmm. And so calling them out for what they are has been really, um, really freeing. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you're free. Yes. Free as a bird. Free as a bird. <laughs> what is it? If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Oh, totally. <laughs> I was just talking to Steven about how, okay, spoiler alert, Steven Broom likes The Notebook. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. It's like a very... Okay. Isn't it like cinematic? It's like a huge yeah. breakthrough movie industry. That's true. It makes sense. Okay. Well, I just outed him to everyone, so <laughs> that's good. But we were just saying how we haven't seen that movie in so long, and I kind of forgot like the details, and I just really want to get wrapped up in it again. Yeah, because it's, it's a good one. It's a good one to get like wrapped up yeah. in. You know what I mean? I agree. A good one. I got wrapped it up in the other night. Spoiler alert. Argo, the best <laughs> movie under the sun. You probably wouldn't expect it from me because I, it's like, okay, I'll say this about myself. I'm a very book smart person, but when it comes to like following a TV series or even a movie, like I'm lost 
I'm hmm. not logically smart. <laughs> I know nothing. So, Brad, like, I couldn't even watch Scandal in college with my roommates because I didn't understand what was going on. So, it's funny that Argo is my favorite movie, and it truly is a suspenseful. Every time my heart rate goes up to 120, even though I know it's gonna, I know how it's gonna end. It is truly magical. You laugh, you cry. You're, it's, you know, you're on edge. It would recommend. It, it won is. Oscar, people. Okay. <laughs> I literally don't even remember the plot. I did watch it with you oh, because you forced me to watch it with you. Yeah. But, like, y'all, it's the weirdest thing because she doesn't understand normal movies. Anything. No. And I will watch a movie and be like, Avery would like this. It's lighthearted. Easy it's to like understand. on a fifth grade level. Right. And like, she, she watches, like, five minutes of it and turns it off. <laughs> I'm like... Who are you? But yet, her favorite movie is Argo. It makes no sense to me. Okay. It makes no sense. Okay. On that note, before you leave, um, I'm asking you this because, one, you are the most type A person that I've ever met in my entire life. Like, wow. Definitely. And I don't think I'm even that bad. No. There are definitely people worse than you. Oh, okay. But you're up there. Okay. But I think it's a beautiful, good thing. Yeah. I, like, use that. I don't know about you, but I have, like, like... I think about my friendships and I like use them for what they're good for. Oh, okay. Totally. You use me. Totally. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But no, but I will ask you like really logical like yeah. scheduling things or like organizational things like right. and, because I know you're the best at it. Thanks. You're welcome. So <laughs> my question for you is what is your favorite practical thing in life right now? Um I'm also asking you because you shop a lot and you're online. You're on the on the interwebs. I am. I'm on the internet, the intranet. I'm everywhere, people. <laughs> this is a really good question. Um, and I'm really going to make myself sound like a brat when I answer this. But God. Bradley and I are loving HelloFresh. I wish I had a code to give you people. Please sponsor us. HelloFresh, please sponsor, because I would love to give the people a code. We are loving it. I was the girl who would meal prep, um, but when I got married, my husband doesn't eat leftovers. Like, literally has never eaten leftovers his entire life. When his mom cooked when he was younger, she made food for four, and that was it. So, I was like... That's cute, Bradley. Well, I'm going to go to Costco and get a five-pound bag of quinoa. We're going to eat this for the week, okay? And he was like, that's cute. We're not doing that. So we did HelloFresh. It's definitely um, a little pricey, but I will say we don't come home and we're like, uh, let's just go to like Wingstop because we're going to have quinoa again. So it's great. We also are in the kitchen together cooking, and that's really actually sweet time. We have music going, and it's just really fun. So we're loving HelloFresh, and... Uh, personally, what am I loving? I don't know. <laughs> what is what was your last purchase on Amazon? Oh gosh. <sighs> okay, my last Amazon purchase was like, I don't know, three days ago and a waffle robe. Completely the best purchase I've ever made. So when I got married, you know, you buy the little robe to get ready and it's really cute and delicate and like never wear it again. You never wear it again. No. And it stays on like nothing. I mean I can like move my elbow and it comes off. <laughs> so I bought like an extra large cotton Turkish waffle robe from Amazon. It was only twenty dollars people and nothing crazy. And literally I get out of the shower at night and I put it on and I feel like I'm in like the Ritz Carlton. I mean Is it terry cloth? Like towel material? Oh no. It's like the waffle. Like cotton. I know it's waffle, but is the material the material's cotton. Mm-hmm. Okay. I respect that. Swipe up. Swipe up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amazon, you want to sponsor? <laughs> I know. Um, I respect that because I asked for a robe. I put it on my Amazon list. Same. Okay, for Christmas. Christmas list. But my mom got me one that is 
um, terry cloth. I've never heard of that. Like, it's towel material. Oh, okay? I see what you're saying. But it's, like, soft. It's not, like, rugged towel, you know. It's soft mm-hmm. towel, but it's huge and white and fluffy. Oh, yeah. And I just... I just washed it for like to just like wash it the first time and I love it. Like I yeah. put it on after that, but but I'm very hot natured. Yes. So it so it's very hot. Yes. So I wonder if the waffle cotton rub would be lighter yes. weight. It's very light. It's pretty thin. I've honestly slept in it one night and oh I sweat just as much as you do. Okay. So I need to get it's that. Fabulous. Send yeah. me the link. Okay. I'll add it to my wish list. We'll add it to like the show notes or something. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. Okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we're all just figuring it out. Avery's mom, Jesse's mom, we're not going to say names because I think they'd probably like freak out. Anyways, yeah. We love y'all a lot. A lot. And dad. Yeah. We love y'all don't too. Don't forget about them. Dad, so we love y'all too yes. and respect y'all a lot. And um, Avery, thanks for being I'm here. I'm too many things here. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thanks for being my type A bestie. And. Um, for being vulnerable about your family. Well, thank you so much for listening today and welcoming us into your space. Um, As an update, Pickles has indeed come to life. The little guy is alive and well, and he even has an Instagram. So follow him at Picky Dachshund on Instagram. It's P-I-C-K-Y Dachshund. Um, Super thankful for the little guy. He's adorable. Again, thanks for listening. Hopefully this resonated with some of you. Um, Feel free to share with friends or family members that may have come to mind. And you can follow us on Spotify and Anchor, the Anchor app. You're welcome to leave a message on the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. We will be on Apple Podcasts coming very soon. Thanks again for listening.